Welcome back to the Marshfield First Podcast. You can find our sermon audio right here each week where you can subscribe, download, share, or leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You'll open your Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. This morning, we've been singing about the victory that we have in Christ. We know in the scripture it says that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. We know we have a firm foundation. We know we have hope. As we continue looking at Joseph's life, Joseph in the Old Testament, we know that there are going to be things in life that you have to overcome. We know there are going to be challenges. We know there are going to be obstacles. But one of the things we find this week in Joseph's life, what do we do when it's not just a moment? What do we do when it's not just an hour of defeat? What do we do when we feel like we're in a season of defeat? When, When in life it just feels like Nothing is working like you had planned or like you hoped or like you intended. What do you do when it feels like um, the the things on your heart just seem to be so distant and so far away? What do we do when we find ourselves in this season of defeat? As we read Genesis 37, um, we're going to be looking at the verses 12 through 36. In just a second, we're just going to read three of these verses. What's happening here is last week we started this series on Overcomer, the life of Joseph. We know that um, Joseph had come to his dad and he'd given a, a bad report or a false report or an exaggerated report about how bad his brothers are. It's kind of like at home, like, Dad, you know what so-and-so did? They won't stop. And it, we just exaggerate it because we want them to, to get in trouble. So, so Joseph brought this exaggerated report, this bad report to his father. And then Joseph, or Jacob, Joseph's father, gave him this coat of many colors, this bright, fancy coat, because he loved Joseph more than his other siblings. Um, and that, that in itself is, is so loaded with things to unpack. And, but that favoritism created so much anger in Joseph's brother towards him that they wanted to kill him. Not just like, Dad, if they don't stop, I'm going to kill him. No, they literally wanted to kill Joseph. And that anger was burning in their hearts. And then we saw where God gave Joseph two dreams. One, that his uh, brothers would bow down and worship him. And and then another dream that said mom and dad and the brothers were going to worship him. And so Joseph, as he had his coat of many colors, he made sure that the whole family heard about how the whole family was going to worship him. God gave him those dreams. And and so we see how uh, the story begins. And so the scripture we're reading um, finds Joseph's brothers sitting around for a meal um, after they were about to put Joseph to death. uh, Joseph was bringing some food to check on his brother's They saw him coming. And then we find in verse 25, this is what the scripture says. They sat down to eat a meal, and when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum. Every time I've read that this week, I've had to take a double take because what I read was automatic gun. (laughs) 
Like every, like I was, I would be studying, I would be reading something, then I'd pick up my Bible and look and get aromatic gum, aromatic, like every time I saw, what I saw was automatic gun. You can't unsee it when you see it there. Balsam and resin going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When uh, Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold for him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. We know in the Scripture there is victory in this life. We know that we can overcome. We know those things to be true. But what happens when we're in this season when it absolutely doesn't feel like it? When it feels like all we know is defeat? Joseph's entering here what will become about a 13-year season of his life where he feels like he is experiencing defeat and despair. The scripture last week told us Joseph was 17 years old when his father gave him that fancy coat. We find a few chapters later that it, Joseph was 30 when he be, takes the reign um, as second in charge in Egypt. So 13 years from this moment in his life to when God elevates him and puts him in the place that he is desiring him to be for the good of his people. Joseph finds defeat at every turn. Here's the reality, and you know this. Life is unfair. Life deals out many iniquities. Life is filled with sin and sinners and real wounds are everywhere. We know that. Why do we know that? Because most of us have experienced it firsthand in some form or another. Most of us have experienced it within our family, people that we love, and we see the effects of, of all of that. But here's one thing we also know. God's transcending eternal reality is all-powerful, and that his massive providence, that means his sovereignty, is at work in his children's behalf. God is at work in all of these things. Here's one of the things I've learned. Sometimes good intended words make it harder doesn't it? People, when you're in the middle of this season and like, you, like you're in the pit, like you feel like you're all alone or you're, you're trying to fight a battle and, and people know that and they're aware and, and they give good intended words and they say, take care, good luck, best wishes. And you hear that and you just want to go, that's not helpful right now. I've told you about the season that I had after um, our pastor was killed and I was leading with another staff member our church in Illinois. And that, that season felt like it, <laughs> like it felt like 13 years and about two. Um, and it was hard and it was painful and it was um, just 
challenging at every turn. And I would have deacons in our church. So here we are, a church of almost 1,300, and we're growing like crazy. And we have all this hard stuff that's happening. And I would have deacons come up after a meeting and say, hang in there. Hang in there. Sorry you're in this position. Hang in there. You know what I wanted to do to the next person that told me to hang in there? I wanted to turn and just... I didn't because I needed my job. But... Uh, <laughs> You know what it feels like when, when people with, with, with good intentions that don't really know what to say, and we, we, we say something, a wanting to help. When you're in that moment, when you're in that season, that words don't even seem to help a whole lot. What do we do? How do we hold on? How do we navigate? It's in those times we have to trust God at his word. And we have to just simply trust God. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20, I read these verses last week, but I want to take us back. Joseph says at the end of his life, not while he doesn't make this statement while he's in the pit. He doesn't say this when he's on the caravan going to Egypt. He doesn't say this in prison. He says this at the end of life, looking in the rear view, he says, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. I am in the place, am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of my people. When we look at this story and we recognize Joseph um, in this pit, his brothers physically wanting to kill him, and he's in this season, this 13-year period of his life, and he doesn't know when it's going to, he doesn't know at the beginning, oh, I've just got to wait 13 years, I've just got to wait it out, I've just got to wait, if I can just get to 12 months and 12 years and 7 months, I know I'm close. I, he doesn't know, he's in this season of his life. But he trusts God at his word. And so what do we do when we find ourselves in this season? In verses 12 through 36, we find this story. Jacob sent Joseph to his brothers with some food and some things to check on. His brothers were keeping sheep. And uh, Joseph went to Shechem to find him. When he got to Shechem, um, he didn't find his brothers there. And so he asked someone for directions. And they said, I think they went over to Dothan, go over there. And so D Joseph makes his way to go Dothan. He's carrying his stuff. He's got, he's got the food. He's, he's going to check on his brothers. And do you know what he's wearing? His coat of many colors. Can you imagine in the distance? Well, hold on. What do you think Joseph and his brother, or J Joseph's brothers were talking about when they were in the field? Oh, did you see that football game? No, that's not what they were. They were talking about their brother. Can you believe dad gave him that jacket? Well, I deserve that jacket. No, or you, at least you, not him. And the conversations and the emotions and the energy around all of that hatred towards Joseph, I think, was just beginning to, boy, they didn't leave town out of sight, out of mind, I guarantee. Because the scripture says, 
they looked up and they saw Joseph coming towards them and Joseph was bringing them food and he's in his fine coat of many colors and here comes Joseph walking up and they see him at a distance and in their heart they wanted to kill him, to put him to death. When Joseph comes to them, the scripture says that Reuben, one of the brothers, in his heart, determined not to see Joseph put to death. And he said, all right, guys, let's not kill him. Let's just put him at the bottom of this pit, and he can die out here all alone. And he was resolved to come back and rescue and save Joseph. And so they did. They took Joseph. They took his clothes. They abused him. They beat him. And they put him in the bottom of this pit. And then they went over and had a meal. I don't know how close they were to the pit. I don't know if Joseph could hear them. Um, what do you do after you just throw your brother in the bottom of a pit to, for him to die? You sit down and have a, food, a meal with the food that he brought you. And so that's what they're doing. And so somehow Reuben's not here. Some, Reuben goes somewhere. I, I don't know where. The scripture doesn't tell us, but he is not present. And so they're eating. And then they see this caravan coming up. And they, one of the brothers says, well, let's not kill our own brother. He's our flesh and blood. Let's sell him to them. And so as they got closer, they pulled him out. They killed two birds with one stone. One stone. They got rid of their brother and they made some cash, 20 pieces of silver. They pulled him out of the pit. They sold him. They went back to their dad. The scripture says they took that coat. They ripped it. They dipped it in blood. They all practiced their lines on the way back to their father. So they all had their story and they told their dad that we don't know what happened, but, but Joseph's been killed by the wild animals. Here's his coat that we found. And Joseph makes his way to Egypt. So as I look at the story, there were three things that I kind of noticed or kind of stuck out to me. First, Grace in the moment. Grace is something we get that we don't deserve. It's God's working um, things, um, and we don't really deserve it, but he gives us his favor. He gives us his, um, um, uh, he gives us his grace. And when you're in a season of defeat, when you're in a season of despair, there are times when you recognize that moment of grace, and you go, ah, it's like a a breath of fresh air. It's like this is exactly what I needed in this moment. Might have been a family member saying something or doing something. It might have been a friend out of, out of the blue. It might have been a note. It, it might have been something that, that you just saw with your eyes and nobody else was around. And, but you understood that God was saying, I, I see you. And you see that grace. And you go, ah, that's just what I need. But there are some times when we have that moment of grace and we don't know it's grace yet. We haven't recognized God's hand at work yet. We just, well, we, it happens and, and we're like, I don't know, like, like God, would you please show up? And God's like, I am, I am, I am. And we can't see it or understand it or, or know it yet. Here's one of the things I know to be true. And my guess is some of you can identify with this. Some of the best things that happened. I'm talking the rearview mirror. Some of the best things that happened 
in these seasons of defeat or when you feel like you're in the desert were opposite of what I prayed for. Like when you look at the, the experience or that season in the rearview mirror, some of the things that God was up to, some of the things that God did just happened to be like opposite of what I prayed for. And I couldn't, I didn't know. But looking back, I recognized like when Joseph was in the bottom of the pit, what was he praying for? God, would you strike my brothers dead so I can get out of here? I, I, I don't know. But I'm pretty confident he didn't pray, God, please send a caravan that's heading to Egypt so I can be sold as a slave. It's humorous, but that's what God did. God was at work. Last week in the message, the whole point number two was God is at work. And I think we've got to recognize that God is at work around us even when we don't understand it. Even when we can't see it, God is always at work and he is active. And Joseph even said at the end of his life, what everybody meant for evil, God, you somehow took all of those broken pieces and you put them together and you meant it for good. There is grace in the moment. The second thing I noticed from these scriptures is that God can use anything, anyone, at any time. God used a caravan of Ishmaelites to get Joseph to Egypt. If you think about it, here was Joseph, and the purpose and the plan for his life was to become second in command in Pharaoh's house, in Pharaoh's palace. So here's a young man, 17 years old, one of a bunch of sons with all kinds of family problems. And God was choosing this young man from Canaan down the road to be second in charge in Egypt. How is God going to get Joseph to Egypt? Because I don't know if you know, but most times you can't just walk into a foreign country and say, I think I want a job. And by the way, I just want to work my way up to second. Like that just doesn't happen. Like the way Joseph became second in charge in Egypt is only because of God. And so here, Joseph in the bottom of the pit fighting for his life being betrayed by his brothers after he'd been beaten with their own fists and he gets sold to the men on this caravan going to Egypt. And God used that caravan to get him right exactly where he needed him to be so he could fulfill the purposes in his day. I'm not saying you need to start looking up and trying to find a caravan to take you somewhere. But God can use anything and anyone at any time for his glory and for his purposes. I don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why we have to go through some of the things we go through. I don't understand why we fight some of the battles we have to fight. 
But I know that God wants to put these pieces together and he can use anything, anyone, at any time. And so the last thing I found in these verses is this. What do you do when you're in a season of defeat, of despair, of hurt, and pain? Trust God. But Rich, you just said those words like that don't help. I know, I did. But what do you do? You have to trust God. And you have to abide in him. When you're in that season that feels like it's not coming to an end and it seems like nothing's turning up right, what do you do? You trust God and abide with him. This whole idea of trusting God, it's so easy to do when you're on the mountaintop, isn't it? Like everything's awesome. But in these seasons, it's hard. One thought that came to my mind this week thinking about this idea is, could it be that maybe we struggle with trusting God in defeat? Maybe the reason we struggle with trusting God in defeat is because we didn't praise him for the victories. Like when everything works, like look what I did. Look how I pulled this out. Look what I made. And when we know, like, yes, I, yeah, praise God, praise God. But like, to honestly, in the core of our heart, to praise him for the victories. I've heard a, in a church leadership thing, talk one time, the guy was talking to pastors and he said, you know, why is it that, um, you know, when church attendance goes up, you know, God loves you more. And when it goes down, he, he, he doesn't love you as much. Uh, he said, could it be that one of the reasons we struggle so much in the, when it's in the decline, and we could apply that to anything, is because we didn't give him the credit when it went up. When things were working, we didn't give him the credit. We didn't see his hand at work. And so I want to encourage us as people who are trying their best to follow God. I want to encourage you. Trust God and abide in him. The same God that wanted to use Joseph in the Egyptian palace that helped Joseph overcome the death sentence of his brothers that saw Joseph sold into slavery to get Joseph to Egypt. Later we'll find next week to overcome false accusations and prison to get him all to this place so that God could then put him in the place of power, the place of influence in the Egyptian palace. It's the same God. The same God. And that's what I want to tell you today. We sing about victory. 
And we intentionally sang those songs this morning about victor, victory, about the victor's crown that we have through Christ and his death sacrifice on the cross where he gave his life, where he, he shed his blood, he was beaten, he was put in a tomb and three days later he arose from the grave bringing victory. And it wasn't just victory in the moment, it was, it was victory for all time. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. There is victory in Jesus we should have sung victory in Jesus today, so I'll tell Andrew that. So I, don't, I was thinking about that this morning. But there is victory. There's victory on the mountaintop. If you hold on, there will be some victories in the valley. What do you do? Trust God and abide in him. That idea abiding means remain, rest, stay connected to him. Jesus told his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. He says if you're cut off from the vine, he says you can bear no fruit. I want you to know that just because you're in a season of defeat, just because you feel like you're in the desert, doesn't mean God can't bloom fruit from there. What do you do? Trust God and abide in Him.